Welcome to the Brand Design Masters podcast, the show dedicated to helping you build the skills you need to design bulletproof brands for yourself, your business, and for the clients and customers you serve. And now, here's Philip. The following podcast comes from a live stream I did recently. Many of you have requested that I make my live streams available as audio so you can listen to them on the go. So I am now republishing some of my most popular live streams as podcasts to make that possible. I share a boatload of valuable tips, tools, methods, and processes on my live streams, and I want to make sure that you don't miss a thing. Now, you may hear me make references to slide visuals, which you obviously can't see on a podcast, or to live stream viewers' comments and questions, but that just comes with the territory and generally won't detract from the value of the content, I assure you. And as always, if you like this episode, please take a moment to provide a star rating or review on your favorite podcast listening platform, or better yet, share the episode on social or with a friend or a colleague. And with that, let's jump into the episode. All right, we're going to talk about some freelancing secrets. I've had a 25 plus year career in both global agencies, branding agencies, and global corporations as a senior creative leader. But then about eight years ago, I went out on my own and I had never freelanced before in my life. I never worked independently outside of working for the man. And even though I knew design and how to work with clients and strategic branding, I kind of came into a whole new world. And I know a number of you have been doing it for more than a few years who are here in the chat. But one of the things that when you move out of that is that you realize that there's a tremendous difference between being employed and also being self-employed. To be working for the man or working for yourself. Those two things are very, very different. There is a, and also I want to say that entrepreneurship, freelancing is at many times really glorified online. It's people, you know, the laptop lifestyle and it's nothing but design awards and incredible, you know, clients and everything's happy, crappy and life is beautiful. Well, the thing is, is that sometimes freelancing isn't all wine and roses. And I'm going to share a little bit about some of the harsh realities or some of the learnings that I've had through this, through this journey so far and things that you may have already found out for yourself or are finding out right now as you start to freelance. And then I'm going to also share, while I'm doing this, I'm going to share some skills that you can develop, some solutions, essentially, how you can approach some of these challenges, and also some tools that you can use. Some are the software tools, some of them are approaches. Some of them are mindset, some of them are kind of like hard tools. So, and I want you to stay through the very end because this is a really key thing is that a lot of these challenges and the 10 things that you need to know that I'm going to share with you today, a lot of them can be unlocked. You can unlock your learning curve on kind of getting over these hurdles or through these barriers, through this one hack, through this one approach that I'm going to share with you at the end. All right. So you guys ready? Heck yeah. I see. Heck yeah. We are ready to go. Higher purpose. This is number one. The number one thing that you need to know is that when you approach freelancing, it's not just about doing creative design work. It's not about just doing killer work. You have to have more than that that's driving you. You really, you know, it's, yes, it's about making money. It's about making a living. It's about, you know, maybe fame, maybe recognition, maybe getting known for what you do. 
But in order to stay really motivated, in order to stay really focused on what you're doing and clearly articulate and be able to sell what you're doing, you really have to have a higher purpose. You really have to be serving an audience and defining that audience, who they are, who's your customer target, who is that key center of the bullseye that you're going to be able to serve, who is it that you serve, who do you help, right? And then what is your higher purpose? What's your mission? What's your calling? What are you going to be able to kind of really communicate with a ton of passion to your target customer? When you tell them about what you do, you have to instill in them a level of excitement and, and, and future you know, ambition and, and a future vision of where you can take them and, and also be able to, un, to kind of articulate what that problem is that you solve. Okay. Who, who feels like they're doing that? Who feels like they're doing that right now? Like they have a really clear handle on who their customer target is, exactly where they hang out, what business they're in, what the problem is that they have and how you solve that for them. This is one of the things that I see all the time, which is that when I go to designers websites, 75% of the time, it starts off with, hi, I'm X. I do brand identity work i graduated from i work with these you know these clients you know my focus is i'm really great at x program or x you know design deliverable i i i right it starts off with like me focused i go to your website and you're talking about yourself immediately i want you to do a test i want you to go to your website if you have a website not just a portfolio thing on Brehance, and say you are a customer. You're coming to your website and is the first thing out of your mouth on your website how you help somebody? What you do that helps somebody? How do you get them to self-identify that oh, I'm in the right place. I am a X customer in X sort of business and I have this problem. And then you go about talking about how you're great at solving that problem. The communication hierarchy on your website has to start with your higher purpose your passion, your mission, and who it is that you help and what the problem is that you solve, okay? That is one of the truths about freelancing. It's not about you. It's about your higher calling, your purpose, your mission, and who you do it for. And if you can learn to articulate that, this is a key point. I want you to pay attention. If you can learn to articulate that in a motivating way, you never are going to be short of clients. If you can develop an elevator pitch where you are talking about the problem that you solve and who you solve it for, rather than the kind of design work you're great at, the best application that you have, the last award that you won, you know, the place where, you know, you showed up on someone's social post, that's really what it's about. Okay. All right. We're going to move on. We are going to move on all the hats. This is one of those truths about freelancing that a lot of people don't understand when they first get into it, which is that you wear all the hats. You may be a designer, you may be a video editor, audio editor, an illustrator, whatever your creative specialty is that you do, design, creative. When you go in and start freelancing, you aren't doing just design anymore. You are wearing all the hats. You're wearing account management. You're wearing business development. You're wearing sales. You're wearing the IT hat. You're wearing the finance hat. You're wearing the administrative scheduling hat, the copywriter hat, the social media content development hat. You wear all the hats. 
And it's a real juggling act. I'm not going to kid you. It's like a real juggling act. And scheduling all those activities and how you break them up and how you spend your time and your time management, which we will get to later, is a very important skill set that you have to have as a freelancer. And I talk about two different skill sets. There's a T-shaped skill set. If you're working for the man or an agency and you have a T-shaped skill set, you're really great at a certain kind of creative deliverable, and then you're almost nothing in everything else. That works great if you're working for the man or you're an employee. But when it doesn't work is when you're working for yourself or a freelancer. In that case, you need a V-shaped skill set where you have a deep capability in your design deliverable, your creative deliverable, whatever that is, or if you're an entrepreneur in whatever your product or service is, but you have to have a much broader range of skill sets. You have to have a little bit of finance, a little account management, a little marketing, a little sales, right? A little business development. You really have to have a broader skill set. You have to learn how to be this horrible word, a generalist. You really do. And if you can't do it, there are some things that we can't do. Like I know some creative people who just like will not learn Excel or are not good with numbers or not good with financial planning. If there's one thing that you like, A, refuse to do, or number two, really can't get your head around, or your business is so it, this aspect of, you know, maybe it's email email sequences or, or automated e- email marketing that you're not really great at. Hire an expert, hire someone who can do that thing for you. Because rather than you're spending 15 hours figuring out how to do, you know, an email sequence or setting it up in Con- ConvertKit or Kajabi or MailChimp, and instead of doing that, hire someone because 15 hours of your time is one hour of some expert's time. And it's going to be a better use of your time and energy and money to hire an expert for it. Subcontract if you can't do something. But other than that, you wear all the hats, right? Now, some of the tools I told you I was going to share some tools with you too, right? So some of the tools that you can use in order to do this stuff is A, I use Google Calendar. It's like one of the best kind of scheduling organizational things. I schedule all my time. And I'm going to talk about that a little more later too. There's apps like Trello or Monday.com or Toggle Plan or Asana. There are a million notion. There are a million really great tools that help you manage broader ranges of aspects of your business and how they all intersect with each other. So utilize those tools. Okay. All right. So, all right, next, self-discipline, the, the S word. If you're a person that needs guidance, if you're a person that needs hand-holding, if you need to be told what to do, if you need direction from people, don't become a freelancer. Or if you are a freelancer and you have trouble with self-motivation or self-discipline, that's one of those things that you really have to develop that muscle when you're a freelancer. Is this something that you guys struggle with about motivation and and self-discipline? Because when you're a freelancer, when you work for yourself, no one tells you when you have to go to work. No one tells you what to work on, prioritization, right? No one tells you, and this is another one, no one tells you when to stop working and overwork and letting work flow into your life or walk over your life is also a big challenge for freelancing. And so you have to learn it. You have to learn self-discipline and how to direct your own work, your own motivation. And how do you learn it? One of the best ways to learn it is to practice, practice it, A, 
and B, hang around with other people who are better at it than you are because it rubs off. I call it mirroring. And it's basically, I'm going to talk a little bit more of this in this kind of key hack about how you can cut your learning curve to almost nothing in this towards the end of the presentation. I want to tell you a little story, a little analogy. I do yoga, right? One of the things about yoga is, A, my wife has this on a t-shirt, yoga hurts. Like when you do yoga, you're constantly pushing yourself a little bit to stretch a little bit more, to do something a little bit outside of your comfort zone. And I, I discovered that that yoga is like an amazing analogy for freelancing because when you're doing yoga, you're taking a pose and then you're, you're stretching a little bit more. You're moving your body a little, you're kind of like, you're challenging yourself a little bit. And when you're challenging yourself, it kind of hurts. <laughs> you're stretching and you kind of hurt a little bit. But like they say, growth is pain. And so if you're not in pain in the sense of the word, you're not really growing. So yoga, when you practice it, and it's a practice, you don't like do yoga and then you're great at it and you're doing it forever. It's a practice that you're constantly evolving and constantly working on. That's what freelancing is like. You take a pose, you kind of deal with a little pain, you're stretching yourself all the time, and you are growing and advancing. It's holding that uncomfortable, and this is the analogy they want to talk about. In yoga, you're holding a pose, right? So you hold it and you breathe. You concentrate on your breathing. You find a level of serenity and meditation. That's the beautiful thing about yoga. But at the same time, you are pushing yourself a little bit. You are stretching a little bit. You're a little bit in pain, but you're trying to find that peace and the serenity in the pain, right? And that's what freelancing is like, right? You're constantly pushing yourself, constantly growing. You're constantly bumping your heads against things that sometimes cause you pain. But in all of that, you are trying to find a level of peace and happiness and serenity. And it's that balance, the practice of freelancing, that's a, it's, it's, that is the perfect analogy for freelancing, is that you are pushing yourself, you're growing, you're developing self-discipline, and you are working through the pain and trying to find serenity and peace in it. I just love that analogy. I thought that was like the perfect analogy for freelancing. Okay, so here's some really cool tools. As I said, I was going to share cool tools with you. Here's some cool tools. If you're looking to kind of increase your level of attention and focus and really practice deep work, right? Find that serenity and that focus. There's an app for Mac OS. It's called Focus. It's a really great app and it kind of silences the stuff on your desktop and takes away distractions so you can really focus in on what you're doing. And it's kind of like, it's like a, a combo Pomodoro kind of timer mechanism. And there's another one that's also called Serene, which is like a focus app. That's a great app too. So those two, Focus and Serene, are two really cool apps you might want to explore as tools. So moving on. Number four, it's all your fault. When you're freelancing, everything is your fault. Like the buck stops with you. You are the only one who is accountable. Even if you use a ton of business partners, the buck stops with you because if something goes wrong, it's up to you to fix it. And that's where the pressure lies. And you can't go into denial. You cannot close your eyes. You can't procrastinate and not deal with it. You can't be a prima donna and kind of rise above it all. You have to like face the cold hard reality that sometimes there are going to be problems that have to be fixed. A client who doesn't like a presentation, a deadline that was missed, 
an email that you didn't see, you know, some sort of calendar deliverable that someone got sick and you didn't make it. There's always mistakes that happen or you forgot a layer in a Photoshop file or something like that, or you didn't include the font when you sent out the final artwork, stuff like that happens, right? But the buck stops with you. So you have to accept and understand when you're freelancing that you are the accountable one. And when you, if you're coming out of working for the man, company, agency, doesn't matter. It's easy to deflect because there's other people around you, right? Account management didn't get me that in time or production wasn't on the ball or they are the ones who were responsible for that piece of it. Like you can deflect if you're a deflection sort of person. So freelancing builds this muscle, it builds a humility muscle where you have to accept the fact that there was a mistake and that you are going to own up to it and you're going to do your best to fix it as quickly as possible. It also builds your communication skills because when there are mistakes, you have to be gracious and communicative and straightforward and direct and honest about what happened and what you're going to do about it. So it really builds your communication skills. And it also just builds that accountability muscle in you. And that's one of those things that when you're freelancing, you got to pay really close attention to because ultimately it is your fault. Okay. (laughs) All right. Next. Time management and prioritization. Number five, time management and prioritization. When I survey my email list of about 9,000 people, I ask them, what is the one thing that bought, what, that's the biggest struggle that you have in your business? And I always, when I do this, I always expect it to come back and say, finding clients or improving my creative work. But inevitably, the one biggest problem that I have people who come back in the survey and answer is, Time management and prioritization. Those are two of the things that freelancers struggle with the most. And I understand why. Because going back to that other one, we wear all the hats, right? So you're doing all the things. You're doing the finance, you're doing the IT, you're doing the email, you're doing the scheduling, you're doing plus the design, plus the writing the proposal, plus the, you know, all the rest of the things. And so you're constantly getting pulled into a million directions and it's very easy to get scattered. And so you have to learn how to prioritize and organize what you do. And you have to learn time management. And it's a skill that, like yoga, (laughs) it's another practice that you're never perfect at and you always can get better at. So solutions, right? Tools. What's the solution? Time blocking. One of the things that I have tried with varying results sometimes in my business is scheduling everything, including breaks, including lunch, including a doctor's appointment. Everything goes on the calendar. And I always say that if it doesn't get scheduled, it doesn't get done. That's one approach that you can use. And also I recommend scheduling buffer time, schedule your work time. So like when you're working on a project, client meetings, financial stuff, whatever you have to do on one of the hats that you're wearing, schedule it and block your time. You know, this doesn't work for everybody. Some people have to be more fluid than that. You have to find what works for you and you may have to experiment around a little bit in order to find the perfect thing. When you're prioritizing what you're doing, is it better to do the easiest thing first and bang a couple things out so you feel like you're moving and things are happening and then you handle the big heavy lifts? Or is it better for you to kind of not answer email and jump in and handle two of the biggest problems for a couple hours before you ever even jump into your email? What is the process that works for you? And it's not perfect for anybody, right? 
Everybody has their kind of own way of doing it. Okay, tools. What kind of tools can you use to do this? I use one tool, which is really amazing. It's called Toggle Timer. Toggle makes a number of different apps. There's Toggle Plan and there's Toggle Timer. Toggle, toggle Timer is a timer that you can, you can set up a project, set up a client, and then you hit, hit the timer button and it will track your time. And then when you're done, you hit the timer button again. And you do that for every single thing that you do during the day. And you set up a, a project or a client inside of Toggle and you can track your time spending on projects. A, this is really handy for working on client projects. So if you track ever, all the stuff you do for a client project, you can get a better idea of how much time it actually takes to do a full project. And it's great to go back because Toggle Timer gives you reports. Like you can go back and look at a report for the entire month and say, and this is free, by the way, you don't even have to pay for it, right? You don't even have to pay for it. I don't know how they make money. But so you can get a report that says, oh, I worked on this project for this many hours, this project for this many hours. I did IT for this much. I answered email for this much. I went to lunch for this many hours. And if you track all of your time, you can get a much better idea of how you spend your time. That's something that was, for me, a challenge at the beginning was I, was, I felt like I was moving and working and getting things done all the time. But when I came to the end of the week, sometimes I felt like, like what did I do all week? And so I started using Toggle just to like track every single moment of my day. And then I did that for a couple of months and looked back on my month's reports to figure out like how much time I'm actually spending on admin or IT or answering email or doing project work. And I found out that as a freelancer, I was spending about a fifth to a sixth maybe of my time doing actual work for clients. Everything else was everything else, right? Marketing, content, email, finance communication, meetings. And so it's a really, really amazing tool to get a handle on what you're doing. Okay. So I highly recommend that. Toggle Plan is another one for planning projects. It's more of kind of a Monday sort of thing, but Toggle has a number of different apps that kind of work together. Notion is another great app. Airtable is another great app. Dropbox. Dropbox is one of those time-saving things in terms of time management that is really, really helpful. I know it's an administrative sort of kind of app we're talking about, but being able to share files across between clients with stakeholders, with external partners, you know, a big file, small files, Dropbox is essential. I pay for a family plan so I can have it with my admin team in the Philippines. All my clients access their files through Dropbox. Super, super helpful and money really well spent in my business. And then another one that I actually just started up using was one password. So if you guys don't have a password management, I highly, highly recommend one password and they are not paying me for this, but I used LastPass for a while. And then LastPass had like some crazy, like five hacks in a row. Like it got really, really bad. Like, I don't know why anyone would use LastPass at this time because it is a porous password manager, not good. So one password's great. You can also get a family plan and you can share passwords in a blind way with stakeholders who need to access them for you if you have other people who work with you. So I highly recommend that. And then learning how to prioritize. Again, this one kind of key learning curve hack that I'm going to share with you later on, where, which is going to pull all of a lot of these ideas together, is, is a method that you're going to want to stick around for. All right, number six is you are never done. 
This is one that I learned like way early in my career, even when I was just becoming a creative director and I was working in a in a, a in the apparel industry actually. But you may if you've been working for the man and you come out and start freelancing or have been freelancing for a while, you realize that you are never done. You have an endless to-do list and as soon as you check a few things off, five more things come onto it. I heard this great quote recently that said, you will die with things on your to-do list. Think about that. You're never going to be done. You're never going to have everything checked off. You're going to have more things. When you die, you're going to have things on your to-do list and in your inbox, right? And so you have to accept the fact. You have to acclimate yourself to the idea that you will never be done. And the thing about that with ambitious people or people who, you know, want to, you know, kind of excel in their businesses and in their careers is that you always want to do more. You always will have more to do, but I always want to do more. I always want to do more, far more than I can even possibly do. And it's really, really hard to turn off. It's really hard sometimes to like turn off the ambition and the, and the to-do list in your head. And that's one of those skills in freelancing that you have to learn. You have to learn how to accept the fact that the to-do list will always be there. You will never check off every box. And even in some weird way, if you had, by the time you woke up the next morning, there's five more things that have boxes that need to be checked, right? And so sometimes when you're freelancing, you never feel like you're off work. When you're an entrepreneur, you're working for yourself, and work can stretch into weekends, it can stretch into evenings. It's very easy for that to happen. So you have to start establishing boundaries around your work time and some sort of personal life because you have to be able to turn off. Your mind is always churning. It's always working on what planning, what the next thing is going to be. So some of the tools that I wanted to share with you around this particular topic is that there's a great app for mindfulness and it's called Oak. I have it on my phone. It's a meditation app and it's a meditation timer and you can add, you can do guided meditations where they talk to you. You can have, you know, chimes come in to kind of mark how many minutes you are or whether you're in the middle or whether you're end or the beginning of your meditation. It's a really cool little app. You, a lot of functionality for free, Oak, O-A-K. And then you can also practice meditation on your own. You can also, there's that yoga word again, you could do yoga, but definitely find some sort of physical activity, exercise, walking, running, lifting weights, playing soccer, riding your bike, whatever that is, you have to make sure that you're going to be feeding your body because your mind is always going to be working and you have to learn how to turn off that mind. And one of the best ways that I found in order to really turn off the entrepreneurial mind, which in my case is always going, is going to the gym, getting on the elliptical, lifting weights, listening to some music. Because, and then when I come out of there, I'm recharged and my brain is working better. But the big theme, the big point I want to make here of what they never tell you when you start freelancing is that you are never done. And we're not done until we're in the box in six feet under. And then when we're six feet under, we still have things in our inbox, right? So I just love that quote. Number seven, number seven is that loneliness is real. The entrepreneurial life, the freelancer's life is a lonely life. It's great. It's a great way of approaching your business if you are a loner or if you're an introvert. I'm very introverted, so it works great for me. 
90% of the time. If you're an extrovert, being a freelancer can be really painful. And so you have to think about what your personality type is and how you're going to work your personality type in a way that's comfortable for you in the world of freelancing. Because when you're freelancing, if you're a digital freelancer these days, right, we're all on Zoom, everything's digital, we're in our home office or in an office that we rent, there is less true social interaction. So you have to find a way to offset that so you can maintain your ability to have conversations, right? And it's so, because it's so easy to isolate if you're an introvert, if you're more of a loner person, and it can get bad. Like if it's, it's so easy to isolate and, you know, get lost in your screens or you get lost in your apps or in your work, you have to force yourself to really kind of network and talk to friends, talk to colleagues, socialize, schedule Zoom calls with people just to check in with other entrepreneurs or other designers. And here's some solutions for this. So for the loneliness is real piece of it. Go IRL, like in real life, get to some conferences. I know it costs money and you may have to pay to travel, but go to some conferences, make some connections. There are also local, possibly depending on the city and the country that you're in, there may be local professional organizations like the AIGA, the American Institute of Graphic Arts, which has offices in many of the major cities in the, or, or subgroups within the cities of the United States, join that professional organization. And again, an amazing tool for this, one of them is masterminds. So becoming a part of a mastermind group is a way to kind of build that network, but there's more on that that I'm going to share with you later. Oh, and here's another kind of hack around it, which is kind of helpful for people who develop content. If you're looking to, to get some social interaction and meet some new people, having a podcast is a great way to do that because people love to be invited to, to be interviewed on podcasts. And I've met some really cool people by inviting them on my podcast, Marty Neumeyer for one, right? And when you invite people on your show, you can you know talk to them 15 minutes before you go on, 15 minutes after you go off. You can get to know them. You can ask them a bunch of questions. You make a personal connection with them. And before you know it, just by having that magnet of having someone inviting someone on your podcast, you've made a new friend, new network connection. So having a podcast or some sort of show that you can reciprocally offer to people that might be attractive to them so you, you could you know get a meet and greet with them, it's a great way to do it. So think about having a podcast. All right. So number eight is be your own champion. You have to be your own champion. 90% of the time as a freelancer, you have to be your own cheerleader. You are not going to get a lot of external validation. When you're working for the man in an agency or corporation, you'll have people around you who congratulate you on your work or tell you what a great job you're doing, or your manager will you know, give you a raise. And you know, as you produce work and hand it in, you're going to get some response, right? But when you're freelancing, that's few and far between. Like you really have to develop internal validation of what you do. You're not going to get a lot of external validation. The praise just doesn't come like it does when you're working for the man in, this, in a more of a group studio atmosphere. You have to learn how to feed yourself. You have to learn how to praise yourself and how to stay positive. And some of the solutions and techniques that I've heard and used for this are like personally journaling is a great way right if you are it's a great meditation 
trick also. And it also captures kind of history of what you've been doing and what you're working on and helps kind of center and focus your brain. But you can also capture things that you've done well and that you feel really good about. And it's a way of kind of capturing and and codifying some level of self-validation and congratulations in what you do. You can also ask for testimonials from your clients. So you can post a quote on your website, or you can ask LinkedIn connections or old colleagues or coworkers to create a recommendation for you on your LinkedIn profile and ask them to, to do that for you. It's a way to kind of receive some validation and, and have it there and, and kind of captured in a way that you can, if you need to, if you're feeling like a little down or a little, you know, not so sure of yourself, you can go back and read a couple of those things and go, okay, yeah, I'm not so terrible, right? I've helped that person. I helped that person, right? So it can be really helpful when you have to be your own champion all the time. And another great tool kind of keeps recurring for this is finding that mutual support and encouragement and celebrating wins that happens in a group. So like the Brand Design Masters Facebook group, when people you know have a great client project or do a great piece of work that they want feedback on, they'll post it in the group and they'll get feedback and validation from people and, and helpful suggestions from people too. So having a group of some sort, Facebook groups, mastermind groups, are ways to develop larger networks where you can start to get some of that validation, which when you're freelancing, hard truth is kind of hard to come by unless you're really going out there and putting your work out there to a peer group for some sort of focused attention. The next one, number nine, is self-doubt is natural. And this is one of the ones that when you're freelancing is really hard, right? This is really hard, which is It doesn't matter how much experience you have or how much money you have or how many clients you have. You will question yourself daily. You will question your decision-making. You will run over tape loops in your head. Decision-making is really hard when you're by yourself because you don't have anyone to bounce it off of. And you think, is this a crazy idea? Is this right? you know, I have this thought or this reservation about that. Should I go ahead and do it? And what happens a lot of times is you end up in a decision-making spiral, right? You end up in that kind of a whirlwind tornado of not being able to make up your mind and you're spinning and your doubts are coming in and then your conviction is coming back and then you're not pulling the trigger. And before you know it, you're procrastinating and you're missing an opportunity or you're missing a, worse yet, you're missing a deadline. How do you interrupt that kind of decision-making tornado spiral? One of the things, and this is like a really dumb and stupid one that I've heard from somebody, which I thought was awesome, which is like, ask yourself, is anyone going to die? Is anyone going to die if I do it this way? No. Okay. So how bad can it be? I used to tell my designers when I worked in the corporate world this all the time. If I'm not around, or if you aren't really positive about what to do, do what you think is right and ask for forgiveness later. Like, do what you think is right, make a decision, move forward, do the thing. And then if for some reason it doesn't go well, or it could have gone better, or, you know, and you have to apologize to someone or whatever, ask for forgiveness later. But it's always better to show a little fortitude and make a decision and move it forward. Now, it also helps to also have a feedback loop of peers who can help you do that. And a little bit about that in just a moment. 
And number 10 is you can't do it all. Like you may think that you can do it all and solopreneurship, true solopreneurship is a total myth. You have to build strategic partnerships. You have to build a meaningful network of connections and peers that are going to be able to either help you and support you as subject matter experts in bringing skills to the table that you may not have. And it gives you an opportunity to scale your business as a freelancer to scale without risk, is to have subject matter experts that you can subcontract to or bring into projects to help you do things that you can't necessarily do. It helps you scale to project sizes that you may not be able to handle on your own or scale to levels of clients that you may not feel comfortable with handling all on your own to develop a kind of a meaningful peer network of subject matter experts that you can pull in can be super helpful if you admit to yourself that you cannot do it all. You can try, but you have to recognize and admit to yourself when you need help. And that's sometimes a hard thing to do when people think they're super self-sufficient. So for instance, I, was, I use Zero as my financial software, which is a fairly complex financial software. It does a lot of things. And I needed it because I use a lot of subcontractors and you can assign them to projects. And it does stuff that FreshBooks and QuickBooks doesn't do. Anyway, so I'm using Zero, but I'm having trouble with it. And certain bank feeds are screwing up and I'm double entering things or accounting. There were errors that I couldn't find what the problem was. And so I had to go on Fiverr and I went on Upwork actually. And I found some guy who was a Zero expert and I hired him for a couple hours. He solved the thing in like two seconds, taught me how to solve the thing myself. And it was money so well spent. I just hired an expert. Otherwise I would have spent four hours stumbling around trying to figure out myself, reading a bunch of help documents online. You can't do it all yourself. You have to be able to recognize and admit when you need help. Where do you meet these people? You meet them on LinkedIn. You can meet them at conferences, but the number one tool and the number one hack, what is it? Tell you what it is. It's a mastermind group. And the number one hack is that masterminds are transformative experiences because they solve almost every single one of these 10 issues or turtles or problems that you have as a freelancer. Working in or developing or participating in a mastermind is you're gathering together with a community of like-minded peers who are who are going to give you feedback and guidance and support and inspiration and accountability and motivation and tools and methods and ideas, they're also a great solution for that loneliness factor, right? Because you are not alone if you have a mastermind group of peers that you've developed. And it speeds up your professional development amazingly. Like when you are surrounding yourself with like-minded peers on a similar journey who may know more than you in certain regards, and you may know more than them in certain regards, then it is. it will accelerate at rocket fuel to your growth potential. And it is building what I like to call a meaningful network, not just a network, but a meaningful network, meaning that these are subject matter experts that you can bring into projects or can help you accelerate your business in ways that you never thought possible. Another thing that it solves is what I was talking about before, which is that decision-making confidence or that decision-making spiral that you can find yourself in. Masterminds are the perfect decision-making spiral interrupter, meaning if you are stuck, you take it to the group, you take it to those peers and you say, this is what I'm thinking. Is this the right thing? 
And they go, yeah, that sounds right. And then boom, you can make the decision. Or they're like, no, try this idea. And you're like, oh, I can't believe I didn't think about that. And then you make the decision, right? But it's, it stops that spiral. It is the perfect way to do it. So from what I shared with you in this live stream, you can tell that I'm super passionate about the power of mastermind communities. And that's because participating in masterminds helped me break through to a whole new level of professional accomplishment at a really critical, pivotal time in my career. And masterminds also helped me build deep, meaningful network relationships and gave me the motivation and the accountability to build the personal brand and the business that I have today. So I really want to share that power with you too. A couple of years ago, I ran a series of 10-person mastermind groups called the Brand Design Masters Guild. They were 12 weeks long and they were really super successful and the people in them really loved them. But at the end, everyone said the same thing. They said, I wish this didn't have to end. So right then and there, I decided I was going to build a mastermind community that didn't end. And that's why I'm starting a membership community for established creative professionals called Bonfire. So why am I calling it Bonfire? There's this book that I talk about all the time by Eckhart Tolle called The Power of Now. And there's this great quote in it that says, when a log that has only just started to burn is placed next to one that's burning fiercely, and after a while they're separated again, the first log will be burning with a much greater intensity. After all, it's the same fire. And I thought that that quote perfectly captured the power of mastermind groups. The people who gather in mastermind groups really are literally on fire, and anyone who joins can't help but catch fire too. So here's just a little what bonfire membership, or as I like to call it, embership. Get it? Bonfire? Embers? Okay, sorry. Embership includes bi-weekly Zoom mastermind calls where you'll get group coaching from me and also from other accomplished peers in the group. And all these calls are going to be recorded so you can review them or catch up if you just happen to miss one. And there's a private community forum on the Circle platform for engaging with other members between calls so you can ask questions and get feedback and stuff like that. And that's also where you can access the group's constantly growing content library for additional resources and training. And there's also, which is really amazing, a mobile app so you can access Bonfire on the go. And one added bonus that I'm planning on having is that I'm going to bring in subject matter experts to come in periodically as guest speakers to talk about topics that are trending and their tactics and their particular specialty. And as an ember, you'll get access to the FIRE Milestones, which is a success map that's designed so you can plan the next steps in your career and your business and know exactly where you need to go and what you need to do to get there. I can guarantee you're going to build rock-solid relationships with other really highly accomplished peers in the group meetings and also when you're paired with a range of accountability partners. And as an added bonus, I'm going to be giving Bonfire Embers discounted access to Brand Strategy 101, which is my signature course, and ongoing follow-up support so you can know exactly how to build strategy into your creative practice so you can offer it to your clients. And in Bonfire, you're going to make really lifelong personal friendships, and they're going to form a web of really truly meaningful network connections that's going to light your professional development on fire. The value that you're going to receive from Bonfire is going to be worth 10 times the investment, I guarantee you. So if you're interested in finding out more about it, just go to philipvandusen.com bonfire and sign up to get alerted for when we go live. Again, it's philipvandusen.com slash bonfire, B-O-N-F-I-R-E. 
and I hope to see you beside the bonfire. If you'd like to help support the Brand Design Masters podcast, please rate and review us on iTunes or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Also, if you want to stay up to date on all our content, products, courses, and live video shows, head over to philipvandusen.com slash muse and sign up for the Brand Muse newsletter. That's where we share all the latest news, resources, articles, books, and videos that we recommend to help you build and improve your creative practice, personal brand, and business. That's philipvandusen.com slash muse, M-U-S-E. Thanks again for listening. Bye for now.